0: Well, good morning. good morning. You know, last night he caught me a little surprised. I pulled the numbers off of the computer for them this week to be able to or actually Lisa did. I asked her to get me what I needed. And I was not even aware of all of those total numbers. I didn't know how he was gonna end, so I wasn't able to start really well last night. It did <laughs> kind of touch a little emotional cord. But you know the deal is I'm gonna share a little bit of a little more update there, then we're gonna transition with the preview trailer of Home Run. And then God is going to bring you a word today that I've heard from so many people that is, will help launch you towards some freedom. Some of you, if you don't know Christ, that's going to be the launching pad. But so many of us that have been believers for a long period of time, I'm going to try and help you separate. If you feel like you've gotten stuck or if there's a transition or if there's some place where you just have not been able to move forward or break through, I'm going to talk to you from God's word what needs to happen in your life. And I just first of all want to say thank you, Lord, for allowing these little programs to influence so many lives in our community. He gets the praise. He gets the credit. I'm one of the vehicles that he gets to use, and I'm thankful for that. But ultimately, it's what God is doing in the hearts of men and women. And then those of the men and women that come and help, whether it's sound system, whether it's music, whether it's cafe, or greeters, or my security, or my group leaders... I'm so privileged to have so many awesome people that help make all of these things happen. And guess what? They are just as much a reason why so many people are, have some changed lives. And you see, it, you only know, might have 40, 50 people on a Thursday. A lot of change takes place with a little. And it, built, it adds up to quite a significant, not only increase in God's kingdom, but for our church. When you add in the 206, when you add in their spouses and their children, it's roughly another 110. So that does create a little well over 300 individuals that as they've transformed or changed in their lives and they've begun to come and make Word of Grace their home, it's a privilege to not only call them brother and sister in Christ, but to get to know so many great fantastic friends. And here's another little thing, even grief share, even though most of them that come they come from other churches. There's about 20 of them just because of the love of God and because of the love of God of this church that they've transitioned also over to our worship. And so I'm con- contemplating adding four different groups into our Thursday as the Lord leads. I believe uh, in what the right leaders uh, we will at least be able to perhaps launch two of those this fall and maybe a little in the future. It's all in his hands. But some of you perhaps simply could pray. For men and women on Thursdays, perhaps some of you feel might feel a call that you might want to come help with some of these groups or find out where I could get involved. It's 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 really some life-changing stuff that goes on not only in their lives, but I can tell you I've grown so much more as a man, as a pastor, as an individual as I've had to take not only go deeper in my life and in my walk with the Lord. It just is just becomes so passionate for me to see people be able to set free walk in hope, to walk in freedom, to experience the goodness of God's grace, not just religion. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today as we begin to create an inner purity as we're going to talk about the difference between religion and salvation and grace. There's a difference. And, and you need to be able to see that and understand that through God's word. And so, you know, look, how do, how do we come about this? Let me just share that we're in the story. Initially, I was supposed to do this update when we were in the heart work. And so I'm going to combine just a little heart story and my story for CR to become our story. It's become our story of sober recovery. It's become word of grace story. It's become word of grace ministry that continues to go forth. And just even on the Internet, you know, there's like 2,000 people a month that don't know me, but they listen. Some of them may be here from here, but yet on Friday I was in the hospital to have an injection. And the nurse says, oh, I listen to you every week. You know, and and, and then, I, then I get calls from a lady in Florida She says that she gets 10 of her ladies together every week and they, they sit there and they listen to what's going on in Celebrate Recovery. Then they have their own little small group in Florida. And so it's, it's just cool what the Lord is doing in so many facets, in so many areas. And guess what? I would never have dreamed or have never really prepared that this is what I was going to do someday. You know, God is so amazing and so how did my CR story become a CR story today, which has now become our story? It started, you know, I was going to start this with a heart work. What you, some of you may not know is my son likes to refer to me as having had nine lives because I've been two major car accidents where I've walked away. I've had a brain aneurysm where I took the flight for life. I've had a brain tumor where I spent 57 days consecutively in the ICU. And the first day that they transferred me to a regular room. My wife goes downstairs for supper. And it's like all of a sudden, I'm hearing in my subconscious code blue, code blue, and I'm realizing it's my room number. And, I'm, and all I see is a bright light, and I'm moving toward that bright light. And then, I, and then you know, something, something like hits me, some form of energy hits me, and then I hear somebody say, Mike, are you with me? Mike, are you with me? And I said, here I am. And just like that, the uh, light went away, and they did the second zap on the paddle. My, machi- my heart had flatlined. And so that was my heart work story. To they- and that was the transition of, okay, from there, Mike became an ugly man. I had been in ministry for eight years. I was in a denominational church that was the third fastest growing denominational church in our denomination. Due to the fact of a lot of evangelism, a lot of my door-to-door knocking, a lot of my sitting in a coffee shop and just asking somebody, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? And just meeting needs, and that little church began to grow and change. Mike began to change after... I also had a business that had 13 employees at the same time. Due to that health issues, I walked away from church. I walked, had to sell our business, sold a new home we built, sold my hunting land up north, sold our rental properties. We sold everything our desks, our dining room tables, any extra TVs, anything that we had just to be able to live for the next couple of years because I wasn't working. And guess what? As that happened in Mike, guess what the first thing happened? I began to get depressed. And as I began to get depressed, I got mad at God. I mean, I hollered and screamed at him sometimes. What on earth is going on, God? You know, I've served you, I've worked for you, and this is a bunch of crap that's going on. And some of us feel like that when sometimes life hits us with a curveball. It blindsides us. And we just don't know where, where we're going to find hope, where we're going to find freedom. How is it going to come alive for us again? And then that depression led me to anger. And do you know who had to suffer the wrath of that? My wife. Simply because, guess what? When she was happier, things were going right, and I'm depressed and angry guess what a depressed, angry person likes more? To make somebody else unhappy, because then your pity party, somebody joins your party. So when you're depressed, when you're hurting, and hurting people always hurt other people. And it's unfortunately, many times, it's the people that are closest to us. So I've had to learn to not only say I'm sorry to her, but God forgive me and begin to change me. So my situation led me from depression to anger. And then as I began building another little business, as the Lord began to change me a little, enough to just begin to get active, start a little business, end up in a conference center with a, you know, go, go to start going to some casinos and start get addicted to gambling. So, you know, you, you, how do you go from ministry to depressed to angry to gambling? It's the CR story that is called my story that is now part of Word of Grace's story. And it's a process. You see, God, I believe, allows us to go through some things in our life, sometimes for the fact when we, when we wake up and we have a wake-up call and we can begin to use them for his glory, for his purpose. What on earth did I need to go those, through those things for so that I could be able to do what I do? And you know, and that Pastor Kirby in 2009 asked me to go with the associate pastor then, Pastor Tom, to St. Louis to evaluate, celebrate recovery, would I consider starting that ministry here at this church? And I thought, well, I guess I'll go. But I get there, and man after man got up and said, hi, my name is Tom, hi, my name is Tim, hi, my name is Steve, or whatever their name was. Said so I'm a believer in Christ, and I struggle with alcohol, drugs, or pornography. And I thought, Lord, how am I going to do this addiction thing You know, he saved me when I was 14 or 15, and I was a bad 14 or 15-year-old. If you ever listen to some of my online messages, you'll hear some of the stuff I do because I am not ashamed to talk about what I, where I've been, or what I've done because it's all about who I'm becoming and the freedom that I found by. Realizing by being transparent and by letting God use me, that is far more different. He doesn't care what you've been or who you've been. He matters. It's where you're going and who you're becoming. And ladies and gentlemen, when you begin to understand that, that's when you experience freedom in your life. And so the last man, I'm sitting there with, a, with an attitude like, yeah, right. How do I tell Pastor Kirby I'm not doing this? The last guy, the last speaker of the day gets up and says, Hi, my name is Mike. I'm a believer in Christ, and I struggle with gambling. Okay, name, same situation. My ears tuned in. All right, maybe there's something here that I can listen to, something that I can understand. And so then what a lot of you don't know is I've gone and since gotten certified with um, addiction and recovery behavior. I'm working on just finishing marriage and relationship stuff, and I do a lot of that. In two more classes, I'll be certified as a Christian counselor. Because there's some things in there, it's just begun to challenge me to not only see my outward man change, but to let the inner man change. And that's where we're going to focus this morning. And so, in that process, that was the CR story, through my story, to become Word of Grace's story. In just a moment, we're going to show you a trailer for the Home Run movie, which is a CR story of a Major League Baseball player who just this year signed a $100 million contract for five years. He gets, he's getting $20 million this year to play baseball. He just left his one team that he was with all of his years to a different team this past year. It's a true story that's done in a fictional ma- manner, but he found his hope through Celebrate Recovery because he was suspended from Major League Baseball because of his issues. And I encourage you to buy some tickets, see the movie, or get some, get some friends there I really need to have a lot of people be at that movie next weekend so that the so that the movie is perhaps held over. And so as that movie's held over in the community, there's the option or there's the possibility that somebody from the community again will come and click and say, Yep, maybe I better check this program called Celebrate Recovery out. And the the only reason the movie's here is because there's a celebrate recovery here and in Sheboygan. And so we're, you know, a lot of communities will not see this movie, and so we're privileged to have a great Christian film that will bring some really powerful impact on people's lives. So get some tickets after service, or if you can't commit to those tickets, then plan on getting to the movie as your schedule works this next weekend. Guys, if you could run the trailer, please. Now stepping up, number nine, Corey Brand. <laughs> were you drinking on the plane? Please hold dude? Corey Brand DUI caught on tape over a million hits. In the air. Doc, is he all right? You've been suspended for eight weeks.: Was there alcohol involved in the accident? Corey, have you been suspended by the Grizzlies?: The Grizzlies want proof that you're attending a 12-step program. 12step: They want you out of sight until you've completed eight weeks) Mr. Brand has kindly offered to stay here in Okmulgee and take his brother's place as head coach of the kids' baseball team. Emma Johnson. I'm actually one of the Bulldogs' other coaches. Come check this out. Your mom and Corey Brand were the best couple in high school. You're pretty much just a wild child felon to them. But I've changed, Emma. Clearly. I found you a 12-step program. Hey, listen, I think I landed in the wrong room over there. You're in the right room. just takes a while to know it sometimes. This is how it changes. This is where it changes. People don't change. Walk away. That's what you do best, Corey. You had no right. What do you know about my life? You will not say no. No, I'm staying. Bring it in! Tiger, that's what I'm talking about. You're a great mom. Oh, Time. nothing great happens when you hold back. a life-changing movie for those of you that have friends or family. And the best way to get them there is to say, I'll go with you. It's the same thing with Celebrate Recovery. You might have friends or family or somebody that just won't come on their own because the church has a stigma of, I don't have a problem, and that's the first step of Celebrate Recovery. It's called denial. And so therefore, oh, I can't come. I've been a Christian for so long. There's no way I'm going to that you need to begin to realize there's freedom. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to talk to you about the difference between religion and grace. You see, oftentimes, so many times, and I've been a pastor for a lot of years, I see a lot of people during the course of the week, and when you just add in Celebrate Recovery and then our church, my phone has been turned off for a couple hours. I'll get out there, and there will be probably three or four voicemails, 20 emails, and a handful of texts, and that's almost every hour of my Daily week. I'd have to turn my phone off at night because otherwise I'm getting the emails and the texts at 2 and 3 in the morning. And so the church office knows if they need to get a hold of me based upon an emergency, they need to call my wife's phone because my phone is like a, on overload. It's a phone on steroids. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a privilege to be able to have contact with so many individuals. But now, you know what I, what I see so many times Not only as individuals come to Christ for the first time, because most of the people that come on Thursdays usually are start. Some of them come from the jail. Some of them just come from the community. Most of them have really no relationship with Christ or background with church. And that's why when when they get engaged and they see some change in their life, they begin to want more. And I don't just say you've got to stay on Thursday. No, you get to come on Saturdays or Sundays. And I lose them, but I still every now and then they'll check in with me or what's going on and update me, and that's okay. You see, success is where, where we need to go. And then there's some that say, hey, I'd like to help or I'd like to stay, and, and I never can turn that down because I always need help. Not only me personally, my wife would say I need a lot of it. But, you know, it, it's it just is the way it works. But then, you know what I see? So many people, they come in a relationship with Christ, the next week they come to church or they come to celebrate recovery, and they did something wrong. They sinned during the week and they think they got to raise their hand again. You see, what they're not understanding, they're understanding that's religion. Let me talk to you a moment, church. Religion and relationship are two different things. When you come into Christ with salvation, the first time you raise your hand, you pray the sinner's prayer. He comes into your heart and he indwells you. He forgives you. Your life is forever changed. The process of religion is something that Jesus wanted to get away from on the earth. You're going to see that from the Bible. He talked to the Pharisees. That the religion was worthless. It's relationship that matters. And as you walk into relationship with God the Father through the Son... There is no greater power that will be unleashed in your earth, on on this earth, in your life. You see, then the Holy Spirit can begin to infill you. He indwells you. And I'm going to talk to you about that because there's things in our life. Yes, we sin, but why do we habitually do the same thing wrong? It's a process. Then as believers, we might be believers for 10, 15 years or longer, and so we're still hanging on to the same old baggage or the same old junk when we accepted Christ for the first time. What's going on? You see, the, the, the process, what I give, what I tell people on Thursdays, recovery is growing in Christ. As believers, as Christians, if we're not continually growing in Christ and developing that relationship, letting Him become Lord of our life in every area of our life, that means the good, the bad, the ugly, the finances, the relationships, the health. The issues that we struggle in. You see, we have no secrets. God, he sees the inner man, where the rest of us look at the outside. But he knows what's going on in the secret places of your heart and life. And guess what? He desires to help you have freedom. Break those bondages. Break those strongholds and press in and go forth and seek and become the man or woman that he created you to be. That, ladies and gentlemen, is when you find hope and when you find Freedom. When you find hope, your faith is activated. And with just a little faith, as tiny as a small mustard seed, Jesus said you can move mountains. And he didn't mean physical mountains. He meant your problems. He meant your issues. But you have to surrender all. You see, so many of us, we just raise our hands and surrender enough so that we settle the matter of eternity, so that one day, if we happen to pass away, we can walk into heaven. But what about walking into freedom while you're here? That's called relationship. That's not called religion. There's a difference on, you know, I, I just don't have the gift of bringing humor into my message like Pastor Derek does. I'll just tend to, I'm more far more comfortable just getting down here when I talk to people on Thursdays and just getting their face. That is far more who I am, and that's maybe why he has me doing what I do there. But I like to just challenge you to take your walk a little deeper with the Lord. See exactly what he has for you. He created you for a purpose, and there's a plan and until you're operating in that purpose and plan in your life, you are up mostly miserable on the inside. But God has a plan. He has a future. He has hope. And he desires so much for you to be connected with that and to experience life abundantly, not just a struggle, not just an issue, a situation. And how does he do that? You see, through relationship, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I do a lot, of, a lot of relationship counseling. What is God, uh, the Apostle Paul or the, in the Ephesians, it's written before relationship issues and before parenting issues. In the fifth chapter, it says, Be drunk not on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you need some power, if you need some change in your life, church, you need to let more of the Holy Spirit in. And that means get, in order for, for it to be poured in, that means you need to get something out. That means whatever baggage, whatever depression, whatever anger, whatever foul language, tobacco, all of these things come into our experience with Christ. After we raise the hands, some of us are instantly set set free from some of our baggage. And others of us, it's a lifetime struggle, that baggage we hold on to, because it's it's a physical habit or it's a behavioral habit. And in order to be set free from those things, you need to get more of the Holy Spirit in. But you need to say, Lord. Help me to change in those areas of my life. I surrender them to you. I am powerless to change these. Just use diet for an example. Something that so many of us understand. First of the year, and by now diets are long gone, other than those who are now starting for the bikini diet or whatever, because <laughs> summer's coming. This is a pretty poor spring. But here's the deal. The first of the year we started diet with the commitment to, oh, lose 10, 20 pounds. About six, eight weeks down the line, we've got eight or ten pounds off. Now we begin to eat a little differently. And all of a sudden, those eight pounds come back plus seven other friends. Huh? <laughs> it's because the inner man was not changed. When the, Any major change in your life has to take place through the inner man. When the soul, you see, the inner man is, part, is connected to our spiritual life. And that power, that comes through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it needs to be learned. you need to learn that this is a power that's available to you. And it's available on a daily basis. And you need to plug your life into it. You need to say, God, here's the good, the bad, the ugly, the stinky, everything that's wrong with me. But you can't get rid of it all at once. You need to begin to pull one thing out at a time. You see, how, how did, how did, how did this, that transformation take place in me? I understand a scripture. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says when you're wanting to get rid of an issue in life, a struggle, a sin, an addiction, a behavior, a habit, you need to pull it out, pull the, pull the core out. And you need to replace it with something good until you begin to replace that with something good. The scripture says it comes back at you seven times harder than before. That's why the dieting fails because it's a spiritual process. The, you worked on your physical... But the inner man was not changed, so the old core just reverts to the old ways, and it's worse than what it was before. Understand that, but there's hope. There's freedom. There's ch- every bit of change is possible. And so as we work on the inner man, you're going to see some things that begin to happen just tremendously in your life. Your first point is simply creating, or the title of the message is creating a pure heart. Your first, first point is inner purity, is what God is looking for. As you're filled with the Spirit, as that life-changing, engaging encounter with Christ becomes real to you in every point, in every area of your life, inner purity is what God is looking for. You know, the Scripture says, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Huh? It's because that causes our tendency to do the wrong thing for the wrong reason. Matthew 5, 8 in the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall know God. Salvation doesn't mean we're instantly cleaned up. Let me reinforce that point. With it becomes, you know, with it, our issues from the past, our language, our alcohol, our anger, our pornography, all of that stuff comes right into our relationship with Christ. But here's the good news. When you've become a Christ follower, that power that's in you is greater as he that is in the world inside of you than he that is in the world. And so you have that miraculous, wonder-working power that's instantly in you, but you need to tap into it. You need to choose consciously to say, this behavior, this issue in my life needs to go. Fill me with more of your spirit. Fill me with more of your word, Lord, so that I can become the person that you created me to be. When this begins to happen, that's when inner change and inner purity and transformation, it's the process of becoming more Christ-like, begins to take place. In your life. And God has some awesome things for you when you, when you when you see this little step begin to happen. There's two different parts of our life. <coughs> There's the outer life, that's what others people see of us. How you look, your actions, why you do things. But guess what? It's not how you look isn't controlled by the inner life, but things that you do, things that you say. The inner life controls our actions, our thoughts, our motives, our desires, and that is what God sees. If you want to really be set free, really be cleaned up, that inner man, that inner purity is what needs to be transformed in your life. And good things begin to happen. So many of us as believers, we might have been Christians for 10, 15 years. We've gotten to the point where we're doing our tithe, and, the, and we understand in Malachi it says, God will open the windows of heaven. And pour us out a blessing. You see, I question God on that. Hmm? I don't know if any of you ever did, but I did. I had been a believer for a long time, and from my very first paycheck on, I'm thankful that I had parents that taught me the principle of tithing, and I've tithed on every paycheck that I've had, and I'm thankful for that. But 10, 15 years into my adult life, I'm thinking, God, where are those blessings? What is wrong? And until I got into his word and understood that it was me that needed to change because it was me that was blocking the blessings in life because of the condition of my polluted heart. I'm not telling you to stop tithing. I'm telling you to dig in, persevere, understand God's word. Let it transform you. Let it change you. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, he desires for you to be set free, to become the person he created you to be. You need to understand that because that and only then is when you not only will be in position to receive and believe that God is bigger than any of the junk that has gone on in your life. Hmm? Are you understanding what, where we're going, difference between religion and relationship? Here in Matthew Here in Matthew 15, the, the Pharisees were at Christ, and they were picking on him and his friends and his disciples, and they were just constantly challenging him. And Jesus You know, they they were just after the disciples because they didn't wash their hands before they prayed and ate. And they were questioning Christ about that. And Jesus responded, he said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. You see, it's out of the heart. Jesus was trying to teach the religious people of the day that heart mattered more to Christ than doing all these ritual religious rules. Relationship trumps religion. Understand that. Having relationship with the creator of the earth is far more important than being religious. And so, you know, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When the heart is pure, out of that comes the inner purity and the good decisions. We begin to make different decisions than what we've once made. And life gets sweeter day by day. How many, how many times within our own households, in our own relationships, we smile and tell them what they want to hear, but inwardly we're thinking what we're really going to do? Hmm? And how much easier that is within the world. You run into somebody at Walmart. How's life going? Great. Oh, life is awesome. They don't need to know that just before you left, the dog crapped on the carpet. The wife was hollering at you, and you couldn't find your car keys, and you said some words that you shouldn't say. But life is great. You see, we're so phony. We're oftentimes so mixed up, and it's all because of the inner purity, the inner man out of the heart, the man speaks. That little thing called the tongue, the little instrument in your mouth, has destroyed more lives because of words. Do you know words operate in the spirit realm? Once you say them, they're out there. You can't take them back. You can't see them. That's why they operate in the spirit realm. And so you need to guard your heart so that your mouth will have better words that comes out. It's just a process of inner purity, cleaning up who you are on the inside makes a whole lot better you. You know, sometimes we need to ask the question, God, help me to see and understand what's going on inside me. Just help me to understand that. Who is Mike? What's wrong with me now? Where am I going? Why is this happening? Are you at peace? Ask those questions of God. Where do you struggle? Be honest with him. If you're mad at him, tell him. He's a big God. He knows what's what's worth the attitudes of your heart. So he wants you to be comfortable with him to tell him. He wants you to be able to call him Abba Father or Daddy. Some of you did not have a dad that's worth being called a dad on this earth. And I'm sorry for that. But God, through his son, wants to have such a relationship with you that he wants to help you overcome those inadequacies, those frustrations, those fears, those hurts that you may have experienced. How about just this emotion of jealousy? And I'm not even going to talk about it here in the context of relationships, but I hear jealousy all the time in marriage counseling and relationships. Jealousy is a big issue. But here's, how about just jealousy in the context of life? You're you're going for a promotion, and a coworker gets promoted. Are we really happy for him when we, we say congratulations, huh? Or are we jealous? Are we just simply inwardly we're mad that should have been my job? God, you know I work harder than him. I'm here. I'm willing to stay and do more. And just because he's a brown nose, he gets the job. You see, we tend to make excuses. We tend and that jealousy. You know what it does? It begins to turn bitterness. It begins to pollute the heart. It begins to inwardly create something in you that you're not supposed to be. And then we just sweep that jealousy under the rug. How about instead say, be honest with God and say, God, you know I was jealous of in this situation. I acted like a phony. Help me not to be jealous. Give me genuine happiness and peace for others. Instead of sweeping that garbage under the rug. And then it just begins to pile up and it pollutes the heart. Inner purity is what God's looking for. You see, Jesus got more upset at the pretenders thinking and acting like they're religious, and their heart is polluted. Now, I guarantee you the next three points aren't going to be as long as point one, okay? So you're not going to be here all afternoon. (laughs) But when the heart is polluted, see, Jesus is trying to say he wants you not to be a pretender, and that's point two. Don't be a pretender. Ask God to create a pure heart. And as you go into the 23rd chapter of Matthew, again, the Pharisees are at the disciples and at Christ, trying to trap him into doing something or saying something that's wrong within the guidelines of the law. And there's seven different woes in the 23rd chapter. Here's the sixth one. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. In other words, you teach the law, you know the law, but it's not in your heart. You know the right thing to do, and yet you can't do it because the heart hasn't been changed. It goes on to say, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In other words, it's not what, how you look on the outside that matters. It's not what car you drive, what clothes you wear, where you live. Now those things are blessings, and those are good things. And you need to learn to be thankful for those things. But it's what's going on on the inner man and in the heart that matters so much more. That's life-changing stuff, people. When we grab a hold of that, your life will become exactly the man or woman that Christ created you to be. Don't be a pretender. If you're struggling, be honest with God. If you're mad at him, be honest. If you're struggling with jealousy, tell him. But then you also have to ask him, give me the strength. Pour your spirit into me. Help me to be set free from this. So I don't hold on to it and let it continue to pollute my heart. See, we do the right thing because of the right motive. That is what a pure heart would look like. Not because we have to, but because we want to. There's a big difference there. You see, when we're doing things with the right attitude, a pure heart will break the cycle of dysfunctions that's going on in our houses and in our lives. It'll begin to set us free from depression, from anger. From other addictive behaviors, from sin that is crouching in your life. The hidden recesses, and we come to church and we think about religion, and I gotta ask God to forgive me. No, you do it the moment you know you sinned. That's when you deal with it. That's relationship. Remember, relationship trumps religion. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how you keep the heart pure. You need to learn how to walk in grace and not just be stuck with religion. Religion saved nobody. Religion changes nobody. It's grace by faith, through salvation, through the power of the strength of the Holy Spirit living in you that will set you free from any area of your life. How about the judgmental, fault finding, critical woman guys that we may live with sometimes? Hmm? You know what we call her? Nag. Sometimes words worse than that. How about the other way around? The manipulative, controlling, demeaning man. Ladies, there's a word called for him. It's abusive. You may have a different word. But these are all things that, things that come out of our lives, in our relationships, out of an unpure heart. Let me talk to you for just a moment on relationships. A man and woman, two happy people, they get married. What happens down the line? What, you know, see... I see this in every relationship encounter that I talk with or that I meet. They don't see the good, the bad, the ugly, and the special little person while they're dating. A few years into relationship, a few years down the line in Mary, the good, the bad, the ugly is all out there. You know, God's word says the two become one. What is the process? It's not consummating the relationship on the wedding day. It's the two hearts beginning to say, okay... I'm going to clean my side of the street up. I'm not going to point fingers at you. I'm not going to be judgmental, condescending, and tell you what's all wrong in your life. When you feel like that, or if you're acting like that, I challenge you, take care of your side of the street. When you begin to take care of your side of the street, guess what, guys? He or she will begin to change with you. And that's how the two grow to become one, when we're growing in Christ together. And guess what? Your issues that you've had begin to be forgiven. It begins to melt. It begins to not be significant anymore. And when there's a little disagreement, the garbage from the past doesn't have to be opened up and see who can heap the most false-smelling crap from the past on top of the other one to win that argument. When the heart is pure, when you quit being a pretender, life begins to change, and it gets so much better. It just gets so much better. Let me just kind of illustrate that. When our hearts polluted how it affects so many other things in life. And this is an illustration that I've used at CR before. So if you've been at CR and heard this, forgive me. But it makes perfect sense here. You see, there, there's a grandpa. Grandpa got used to his afternoon naps after lunch. So he's in the recliner. The recliner's kicked back. He's on his second cord of wood. He's sawing it pretty good here. And so it's a summer day, and the grandkids are over with grandma. They go into the kitchen, and they pull out the stinky old Limburg cheese. And they come up behind Grandpa in the chair and they rub it on his mustache. And as Grandpa, then they they run back and sit and watch what's going to happen. Pretty soon, Grandpa arches his eye up. He takes some big sniffs. The recliner pops down. He stands up. It stinks in here. He walks into the kitchen. Man, it stinks in here, too. He goes down the hall towards the bathroom. Oh, boy, it really stinks in here. Now he opens the front door, walks out on the porch. He's going to take a good, big breath of that fresh air. Oh, the whole world stinks. And you see, that's how it is when you're the one carrying the stink around. Huh? That's where we need to have our inner purity, our hearts cleaned up. Our perspectives are, it's always somebody else's fault, and the whole world stinks instead of what's going on in my life. That leads us, to, so simply evaluate your life. When you're seeing your spouse as critical, we need to ask God to clean our own heart because more than likely you're also a critical person. Because if if that's what you're seeing or that's what you're understanding, it's probably also in you. So men and women, do business with the Lord for your relationships to prosper, for your soul to prosper. Three, seeing as God would have us see is what we need to do. In Mark, Mark chapter 7, if you want to read that on your own, I'm going to focus on, it's actually coming out of verses 14 through 22, but I'm only going to read 20 through 22 for the sake of time. But here is, again, the Pharisees were after Christ. And Jesus is teaching his people. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart are far from me. They honor me with their lips. Religion honors God's with their lips, but their heart is far from them. Again, relationship trumps." Religion. Jesus goes on to say in verse 20, he says, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. How are you seeing life? How is life treating you? When you allow God to change you and create a pure heart, you will see why God desires you. You to see life differently. The inner life is connected with the outer life. And when we are in check with the inner life, we're having a pure heart. It allows us to walk with God's favor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when blessings begin to happen in our life. You see that when I asked God what was wrong? It was he, there were still things that needed to change in me. Had, had, had I been blessed abundantly then, I probably would have been inappropriate to handle it. There's a time when you, get, when you connect right with the Lord, some of us are on a faster pace with him than others. And that's a good thing. Some of us still need to catch up, but it's possible. There is hope. Don't ever feel like it's too late to let God do something wonderful with me. I challenge you to get rid of the stinking thinking that clouds your thoughts, that pollutes your heart and causes you to be less than God's desires for your life. You see, many times, David, a man after God's own heart, adultery, and then having had that woman's husband, in a sense, murdered. He swept that under the carpet like it was meaningless because he was king and in control, but for the Bible says for a whole year he was miserable and wretched because he knew that his heart was polluted, that he had done wrong. It's time that we get to the point of being real and simply... And some of you say, "Well, I don't have big issues like David. Yeah, I just have a little pride, a little jealousy, maybe a little manipulation, but no big deal." Right? Well, look at 2nd Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says this: "God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth." You see, when you when you admit or confront the little areas of your life, it leads towards repentance. And that only happens God desires your Holy Spirit to become so sensitive because there's more of him in you than there is wrong. And that means when you do sin, when you cross the line, you recognize it right away and you say, God, forgive me, give me the grace, give me the strength. The next time when I'm faced with this temptation, not to do wrong, again, not to violate your laws and your will, but help me to overcome, which leads to repentance, which leads to a continual state of life. The inner purity is at work in your heart so that you're operating under God's grace and not religion. Then it goes on to say, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, the First Peter tells us that the devil is like a roaring lion going to and fro upon this earth, who he can deceive, who he can destroy, who he can trip up, who he can simply, can't necessarily steal your salvation, but he who can ruin your testimony. Because of how your inner purity, of how your heart is. If he can place that some areas of anger, some areas of depression, he's defeating you for the moment. But there is a way of overcoming when we learn how to surrender all. That leads us to the fourth area. As we work on purity, we need to guard our heart. Guarding our heart because life has a way of throwing us some curveballs to use some baseball analogy. Do you think a lot of the things that went on in my life were things that I planned for? I wrote them on down the counter. Yeah, today I'd like to have a flight for life for a helicopter ride, God. Oh, yeah, uh, I just can't wait for that one. Um, You know, there are all these things that have happened. But there's a reason and there's a plan and there's a purpose. There's curveballs and junk that will be thrown at your life. But it's how you respond. How does it change and shape your attitude that matters most to God? When your attitude is right, when you don't let it turn to bitterness, anger, and rage, and just cause you to deuce what you don't want to do, now the inner purity, the inner man, and that's when God's strength begins to work through you and on you. And you'll see some changes begin to take place. Satan loves to steal your joy, rob you of blessings, render your testimony ineffective. That's how he messes with believers. You see, it's not a matter of whether he can get your soul... It's a matter of whether he can simply ruin some area of your life. And you need to take that back in Jesus' name. You need to understand the scripture. You need to understand that he is defeated. And when he comes against you in an area that you once struggled with again and that jealousy is back, you need to say, It is written, Satan, get thee behind me. God is going to help me overcome this. I am not going to be jealous again. Take authority, believers, That's relationship because you have relationship with him. It's not religion. You take that authority under Jesus' name and you walk in freedom. That's how it is to be, people. Do you understand this? Are we understanding a little bit where we're going here? Guard your hearts. Are you ready for the cycle of issues, of stress, of depression, of anger, of relationship issues to be broken and removed from our lives and see the inner purity that God so much wants for you to experience. It begins with the cross. It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the starting line for us all. From there, it's asking God to help pull out those weeds, those identity issues. You see, I had to really get to the point of realizing all those problems were in my life because of my lack of self-worth of who I was as a man when I was out of work for those five years. Try and quit gambling. That just added to the anger. Try and quit anger. That just added to the depression. Until I realized where the sources came from, it came from my identity of who I was as a man because I hadn't been working and I had lost everything in life. Until I got down to the core root of the problem, the rest of the things could not be dealt with or could not be replaced or changed. Or changed. The inner purity is what God is looking for in your life. He desires to set you free from your own personal struggles, just like he desired to set me through from mine. But salvation is not a weekly process. Relationship with the Lord is a daily process, 24-7, 365. Go ahead, bow your heads. As we come at this point of the service, Lord, if there is some man or woman here that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, Just give them the courage, in Jesus' name, to simply slip your hand up. And now you, just because I talked about you don't need to raise your hands, if you no, you've never accepted Christ, just go ahead and raise your hand. And or if you realize that you've been a Christ follower, but there's still areas in my life that I struggle with, and I had to raise my own hand earlier this week. I see those hands. Just continue to raise your hands. Areas in your life that you just want God to help create a pure heart in you. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Father, I thank you for salvation. Just come into my heart in a real way. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to forgive others who have sinned against me. Create a pure heart in me. Give me more of your spirit so I can become the man and woman you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, Pastor Keith, come out today.